Praise the Lord. It says in Romans 15, verses 4 through 6, Whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, God's Word, may have hope. And my prayer for you all this morning, those of you that know the Lord, is that your hope will rise to a level that will raise you above the cares of this life, the heaviness of this life, everything about this world that can crush our spirits, that can bring about depression, anxiety, whatever it might be, just the realities of living in a fallen world, that somehow God will get into you through his word, by his Holy Spirit, the reality of your living hope, and that we will all learn to live in that, in the reality of it, so that when we share it with others, there's life in our words, there's realities, there's spirit behind what we're saying, because, like we heard earlier, so many need to know about this hope that is only found in Christ, that we learn through the scriptures. All the scriptures from Genesis throughout Revelation testify of the hope we have in Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that anyone here that does not know that hope would come to know that hope this morning. We sat uh, with uh, David and Hannah the other day, and sometimes you just need to be reminded of where God has brought you from. And so, you know, I just was sharing kind of where we've come from and my testimony, and it just never gets old to me. The hopelessness I lived in, the just suicidal um, emptiness inside, just trying to drug myself up so much because I just didn't want to deal with reality. Many times uh, trying to take my own life um, through drugs, just taking as much as I could. Just, I just was miserable. And yet how God somehow reached in that hopelessness and opened my eyes to the wonder of the message of the cross and, and really what we're going to be looking at today, this our salvation and just how tremendous it is and the hope we have and where we're heading. And we need to remind ourselves of the reality of our hope. If you know, if you have been rescued, if you have put your trust in Christ, you need to remind yourself. You need to remember, first of all, the hopelessness, the darkness you lived in, but also what it was like to be translated out of that darkness into his marvelous light and everything, like your eyes being opened to the reality of his kingdom and his glory and the hope of glory. I, I could not make it if that wasn't real to me. It, it's what helps me endure through this life. It's what gives me purpose while I'm here, which really is just to share that hope with others and to lead others into that hope. So that's my prayer this morning, that you would find hope through the scriptures, 
and through the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes on, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another. And I'll just say, you know, when we came in this morning, um, that's what happened. We, we, because we're like-minded, as we prayed and shared together, it just lifted us up a little higher than when we walked in the door. So it's so important. We were talking about how important it is to be encouraging one another, especially as we see the day approaching, especially when we see what's going on in the world, especially when we understand what people are going through and the heartache and the hopelessness and, and all the things we experience, even as believers, and can sometimes get way down. Why it's so important when we're together to be encouraging and sharing and, and speaking truth to one another. And it was such a blessing this morning to be with my brothers and sisters and be lifted up in one mind according to Christ Jesus, that you with one mind and one mouth may glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's glorify Him. I understand it's dark, the world. It's, this world life is filled with loss and just all kinds of things, like I said earlier, that can weigh us down, but yet we can still glory in God. We can still express that out of the innermost of our being because God has put something there. He's planted a seed in us, and it's waiting. It's waiting for that trumpet. It's waiting for that day when that seed will be burst open and we will be transformed in a moment, and we will see him and we will be like him. That's where we're headed. And that seeds in us. And if that seeds in you, you know what I'm talking about. Even though we can't fully express it and put it into words because it's so glorious. It's something even the angels look at and they're stirring awe of. So as we finish this topic of being the bride of Christ, I really just want to focus this morning on the wedding because that's where we're headed, the wedding feast. So I guess we could call today's message the marriage feast, or I like kind of the subtitle, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. I have a little collage picture next to my desk where I study. I think it's from Times Square Church. And it says the best is yet to come, and then it has all scriptures all around it talking about the best and the promise and where we're headed. And it's, it helps me every day when I just look at that and remember and remind myself. So I want to look at 1 Peter 1. We're going to go through this chapter. My prayer today really is that you will just let the Word of God speak to you. I'm going to read a lot of Scripture. And, and my prayer is that God is just going to take that Word, His Word, and open up your understanding so that you will know what he is saying to you in these verses, but also through the scriptures, you will have hope. That's my prayer for you. So I'm just going to pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have 
given us that know you a living hope. And I thank you, Lord, that that bridegroom's voice that stepped down out of glory into this earth 2,000 years ago, that same voice that John rejoiced to hear that was calling for a bride to lost sinners, that same voice cries out on every corner in every highway and byway, you're still calling. You're still looking to add those chaste virgins to your bridal party, your gathering that you're preparing even now, Lord. You want your house to be full and you're long-suffering, Lord, and you're patient and you're waiting for anyone to, to hear that voice and to respond and put their trust in you, in what you did on Calvary, and to know the hope, the calling that we have in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray through your word this morning, you will make that more real to us who know you, but also any that don't know you, Lord. You would open up their hearts that they would know you and the hope that you have given us in the message of the cross. Make it real to every heart in this place, every heart listening online. God, make it real this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to read one more scripture uh, before I get into 1 Peter. It's 1 Corinthians 15, and I'll touch a little bit on this later. It's talking about the resurrection, because there were some during uh, the time this was written that were disputing the whole idea of resurrection. And Paul basically says in, in 1 Corinthians 15, in verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. In other words, if there's no resurrection, if there's nothing we're headed for, what is the point? And he, he says in that chapter, your faith, everything we profess to believe in means nothing if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Well, I, I want to just tell you this morning, he rose from the dead. And that's why I have hope this morning. Amen? So, let's look here at 1 Peter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you. So he's writing to us, the betrothed, those that have trusted in Christ. And he's wanting to encourage us. He's wanting to remind us of the blessed hope we have in Christ. So he goes on in verse 3 and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is so important. Because like I said earlier, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, our hope is vain. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
to an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away. It's not like the things of this world. It's not like what we experience all the time in this life. That is the the part of loss we experience and emptiness we experience in the things of this world because the things of this world are always passing away and they will pass away. God's kingdom is not like that. What is reserved in heaven will not pass away. Hallelujah. And it's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation to be revealed in the last time. Who keeps us? God keeps us. He's able to keep that which you've committed to him. And you need to know that today. You need to get your eyes on God and offer yourself. And you need to know that this salvation he has purchased for you, he has made it possible for you to endure to the end, for you to inherit everything he has purchased for you. And he's given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you the promises in his word. And he wants you to believe him. And quit looking at yourself and get your eyes on him and simply walk in faith and profess that faith and live it out in your life because it's a sure thing. It is a sure thing. God is not a liar. God is not like man. It's a sure thing. And, And the wonder of our salvation, this salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, it is so hard to try and put into words. We, we have descriptions in Scripture, but even that, it, how do you find words for what we're headed for? So we get symbolisms, we get different ways that it's, that it's try, God tries to convey it to our finite minds, but it's so beyond our human thought, but yet we still get some kind of glimpse of it, and we even taste of it sometimes. When we're here on earth, when we taste of his glory, when we taste of his presence, we're just getting little trickles, little tiny bits of what we're headed for. It's like a drop compared to an ocean of God and his presence that we're headed for, that we're going to be swallowed up in because heaven is all about him. Heaven is full of God. There's no darkness there. It's light all the time. Everything there is infused, filled with God. We see descriptions of that in Scripture. And we're all headed, those of us that have been patrolled to Christ are headed for that. That's the end of our salvation, the wedding, the wedding feast, where we're united with him forever. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11:2, I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste version to Christ. So that was the first step we entered in. We were betrothed. And we'll see later on in this chapter, it happened because of everything that was spoken and how it was handed down from one person to another to another to the very person that shared the gospel with you, that you responded to. And, And in that moment, you became betrothed to Christ, just like that Jewish wedding we've been looking at. The contract was signed. Jesus paid the price to have you. 
And then, just like in the Jewish wedding, the, the bridegroom would go to his father's house and prepare a place for his bride. Jesus is right now preparing a place for us. Hallelujah. And so Jesus said, and I want to say this to you today. He said in John 14, verse 1 through 3, knowing this, knowing Jesus, our bridegroom, is right now in heaven preparing a place for us. He said this to his disciples, and he says it to us. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. Again, God's not a liar. He's not like us. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare a place for you, guess what? I'm going to come back and receive you. I'm going to come get you. Whether by death or whether upon my return, I'm going to come and get you. I'm on my way. He wants it more than we do, I think, sometimes. That where I am, you also may be. You understand, guys? That that's what it's all about. Christianity is not a veneer we put on that somehow improves life on earth and gives us a happier life on earth. Christianity is about becoming a citizen of another kingdom. It's, it's about looking to something beyond this world and understanding that's where my hope is. That actually is reality. This is fading. This, I'm just a pilgrim. I'm just passing through here. I understand now this is not my home. I'm headed to something so much greater. That's why I live the way I do. That's why I have the hope I do. That's why I don't have to despair utterly. If I remember this, we're headed for a ceremony, for a feast with our bridegroom, where for all of eternity we'll rejoice with him. In his presence. It's written in 1 Corinthians 2.9. Just as it's written, it says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Again, we just can't fathom it. It's beyond us. So verse 6 now says, In this... You greatly rejoice. And I want to encourage you to practice that, no matter what's going on. In this, you greatly rejoice. And it doesn't have to be this outward, you know, exuberant, hallelujah, you know. It's an inward knowing, even in a trial, even in pain, yet somehow inside, there's a joy, there's a, there's a rejoicing. Because we know. We know. In this you greatly rejoice. You're living hope. Though now, for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. 
God knows we're going to suffer here. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. One day, we're going to see him. And we're going to fall at his feet and we're going to glory at his presence. Just like they're doing right now in heaven. Again, we get little tastes of that. Sometimes in worship or sometimes even in a private time with him. We, we taste little tastes of that. And we glory at him and his presence. And everything in us just wants to bow down and just worship him forever. What's it going to be like when we really see him? When we really enter that realm where his presence is filled? There's no barriers. There's no veil, nothing. What's that going to be like? I think about that song. I can only imagine what it's going to be like. Will I fall at his feet? Will I be able to say anything at all? Will I just say thank you, thank you, and cast my crown at his feet? Glory and at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now here's, here's the important part for us. Whom having not seen you love. Having not seen you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing. You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's how it feels sometimes. And, and it's almost frustrating because you feel it, but you can't express it. Like, there's no words to express it. I haven't seen Jesus in the flesh. I didn't see a resurrected Jesus like the disciples did. That's why when Thomas was doubting and Jesus said, come here, Thomas, put your hand on my side, touch my hands, it's really me. I really rose from the dead. Then he's like, oh, Lord, I believe. And Jesus said, but, but, but Thomas, blessed are those who haven't seen and believe. So you guys, blessed are you. You haven't seen, but yet you believe, don't you? You know what? You believe. How did that happen? God did that. That's the Holy Spirit. God did that. That in itself should make you dance around this room. And that's what I mean when I say, when I remember the darkness I was in, and yet somehow he opened my eyes and I knew that was true. And that's what gave me hope. That's what made the whole idea of salvation and what he did for me on the cross real. And I'm so thankful that somehow he burst that truth open in my inside world. And you're not, no one here is beyond that. No one on, online watching, you're not beyond God being able to make that real to you. If you'll just ask, God, help my unbelief. Help me, Lord. I want to believe. He will do it. I had that cry in my heart because I was miserable. And I said, God, I got to know if you're real. I got to know. If you cry out like that, trust me, he will reveal himself to you. 
He will, because he loves you, and he wants you to know him. He wants you to know the hope. He wants to pull you out of the chains and the bondage you're in. He wants to give you a living hope. He wants to give you eternal life. He doesn't desire that any would perish. So we have to see that resurrected Christ all the time. We have to remind ourselves, again, what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 13, it says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, what I'm saying to you, he says, my preaching, it's empty. It means not, don't even listen to me. And your faith is empty. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead. And I'm saying that to you. He is risen. He is a resurrected Christ. Actually, he's living in me. That's how I know. He's risen. And has become the first fruits to those who have fallen asleep. For since... By man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, we're all born into death. We all are born under the curse of sin through Adam, through man's rebellion to God. But yet in Christ all shall live, those who put their trust in him. By faith we believe and thus have a living hope. In Christ. Blessed are those who have not seen. And Lord, I just pray right now as we're supping over your word, as we're taking in your word, open our eyes, Lord. More and more. For those that know you, Lord, as Paul prayed, I pray you will open up their understanding to know the depths, the height, the width, to know the love of Christ. Lord, I pray that all your promises, Lord, that are still waiting to be fulfilled, everything we are headed for, Lord, I pray you would remove the veil more and more and more in this place to those that are listening. Lord, any here that don't know you, Lord, God, I pray even now you would open their hearts, you would open up their spiritual eyes to see, to know, to understand the message of the cross, Lord, to receive the life that you purchased for them. So Lord, let your word work in hearts this morning. Open eyes in a greater way to the wonder of our salvation, I pray. And I trust you, Lord, to do that. For this reason, verse 9, that you may receive the end of your faith, which is the salvation of your soul. We have to see the end, people. You have to. You have to see the end. I know we get tired sometimes. The Apostle Paul alludes to the Olympics of his day, and he talks about faith like a runner and an obstacle course and competing, and, and we're encouraged to run our race with endurance. We're encouraged not to grow weary in the word of God. And, and how do we do that? How do we endure? How do we keep going? Even when this world tries to throw everything at us, we fix our eyes on Jesus, 
who is the author and finisher of our faith. And we run this race with endurance. When we do that, we see the end. We understand where we're headed. When you do that, I don't know who's a runner here. I hate running. But there is a point in running where you kind of get a second win. You know, but right before that, it's typically when you want to just quit. It's like, this is too hard. I just want to stop. But then all of a sudden, if you just press through that, there's something else there. See, the devil wants you to stop when it gets hard. But the Holy Spirit has a second wind for you. If you'll trust him, God's word is like wind in your sails. If you fix your eyes on it, on him, you'll run the race with endurance. You'll finish your course. Just like Paul said, I've finished a race. I'm finishing. With God's help, by his grace, I'm finishing this race. I don't care how tired, I don't care how much I cramp, I'm finishing. Because what's my other option? Right? So you need to tell yourself that. Okay? Now, Hebrews 10 says this in verse 32. And again, like I shared earlier, it's good to remind ourselves. Recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle and sufferings. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me, Paul's talking, in my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. See, that's how we endure. That's how we suffer. That's how we were able to be in chains. That's how we're going to be able to face more and more what we'll probably be facing in the days to come. Therefore, verse 35, don't cast away your confidence. Don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, he who is coming will come and will not tarry. He's coming. You hear me? He's coming. Oh, I've been hearing this for years and years. Beware of that spirit. He's coming. He's coming. He is coming. Lord, I pray you'll drive that spirit out of all of us. Because the just will live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we're not of those, right? We're not of those who draw back, right? Right? Okay, it's a little better. We're not of those who draw back to position, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Hallelujah. Now, he goes on and just begins to talk about this salvation. Of this salvation, verse 10, the prophets have inquired, search carefully, who prophesied. It's really just talking about how the Bible, really, from cover to cover, the whole central purpose is Jesus and the gospel. It, that's what it is. Everything points to Christ. Everything points to the cross, the, the work of salvation. It's what it's all about from the beginning of Genesis all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. 
prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the, the Spirit of Christ who was in them, talking about the prophets, prophesying about the one who would come, indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed, not to themselves, but to us. They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit. Remember? That's what happened. By the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. And I was reading a book, and I'm not going to get too into it, but he kind of writes in a theatrical way, and he talks about the bride of Christ and what it's going to be like when we actually are joined with Christ and the reality of our salvation. And he uses Mary who ran to the tomb when Jesus was raised from the dead. And so he paints this scene and all the angels around and they're watching this woman who, who they know was a prostitute, just a, a filthy sinner, and, and she's looking for Jesus and, and she's in tears, and there Jesus met, meets her, and the angels are all watching, and they're in awe when they see something of himself now, this resurrected Christ, imparting something into this woman. They see a seed go in her, and it's like a glow. They see life come where there was death inside. The, the Adam seed is replaced by the Christ seed. And they're in awe and wonder, and they're saying to themselves, what is this? Where could this all be headed. And he goes on and on and on to the point of heaven. And that's why the angels are like, whoa, who would have thought it meant this? These creatures, these sinners joined with our God? Because you understand they're created beings as well, and they're not going to have what we have. We're getting something greater. So they're like in awe and wonder of what God has done in our salvation. That's how awesome our salvation is. Again, I can't do it justice with just words. But yet there's a knowing inside that it's, it's wonderful, it's awesome, and, and that's where my hope lies. That's my prayer for you. So this glorious salvation which is proclaimed from Genesis again to the end of Revelation, that's the gospel you put your face in. Again, it's not just this, I went to an altar, I prayed a prayer, and now I'm Christian on the outside, and I do what Christians do when I go to church. That is not salvation. It is so much glorious than that. It consumes your whole life and the rest of your time here is lived in the reality of that. And your whole purpose in your sojourn here changes. You understand? Because it's real to you. <clears throat> We're headed, guys, for a glorious feast. So I'm going to just read about it a little bit. Revelation 21 gives us a little description of what we're headed for. It says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven 
and the first earth had passed away. And so what's it talking? What happened to him? Well, 2 Peter 3 tells us what happened. It was all burned up. Jesus came back, and he's going to burn it all up. And that's what the mockers say. Ah, we've been hearing about this all the time. No, it's going to happen. And so it's all been done away with. It's all been wiped clean, and now God is fulfilling his promise. And so now I see a new heaven and a new earth because the first heaven and first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. And then I, John, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And here's the mystery. The church, that union that, that, that Ephesians talks about of a husband and a wife, but yet really it's a picture of this mystical bride the church that's going to be united with him, coming down out of heaven. And I heard a, lo a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Talk about a, a feast. And now here is some comforting words. And God will wipe away every tear. Every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There'll be no more headlines, horrible stories to read. It'll all be gone. There'll be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. I make all things new. And he said to me, right, because these words, they're true and they're faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And he who overcomes will inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me, and he talked with me, saying, Come. I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God. So this city, it's us. It's all the redeemed, shining like lights and gems coming down from heaven to be united with the Lamb of God. It's us. And it says about it in Revelation 21, verse 22, I, there's no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city, there's no need of the sun or the moon to shine it because the glory of God illuminates it. It fills it. That's, that's the, the picture of the, we just taste drops, but at, 
when we are united with him, we're going to be thrust into the ocean and just permeated with God. His light just filling everything. There will be no night there. Uh, its gates will not be shut by day. There will be no night there. They shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. There shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Again, his redeemed ones from every nation. So behold this. Behold it. When you read this, behold it. Consider it. Meditate on it. This is your salvation. This is the fullness of your salvation. This is the new creation. This is the wedding feast to come. This is where we're headed. This needs to be real to us. So in light of this, verse 13, gird up the loins of your mind. Take hold of your thoughts. Be sober. Rest your hope fully on the grace that is be, to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And do it as obedient children. Don't conform yourself to your former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. In other words, imitate Christ. The one you're going to be united to. Imitate. Learn of him. Imitate him. In your time here, walk as he walked. Do as he tells you to do. Live as he, he lived when he was here on earth. And if you call on the Father who, without partiality, judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Live in a holy reverence for this salvation, for the blood that was shed for you. Honor it with your life. Don't trample upon it by continuing to sin because your redemption was paid with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And, and we need to honor that with fear and trembling. That's very important. Again, verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, he indeed was foredained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times to you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. And since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, the gospel, through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. That is so key. Love one another fervently. That's how we show the world we are his bride, when we love one another fervently. Love one another as he's loved you and gave himself for you. That should be evident in the body of Christ, a deep love. That's why I love this body. We know how to love one another. We're learning to love one another more and more, entering in, rolling up our sleeves, getting involved in our needs together. It's what it's all about.
Verse 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, we've been given his seed through the word of God, which lives and abides, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. I love how he finishes, like we need another reminder. Because all flesh is grass, all the glory of man is like a flower of the grass. The grass withers, its flower falls away. That is the reality of this world. But, but, the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. Okay? So what do we do with it? What do we do with it? Believe it. Live it out in your daily life. Practice it. Share it with others. Encourage one another with it. Exhort one another with it. As you see that day that we've been hearing about approaching. We need to be doing that more than ever. I know it, it gets heavy. It's going to get harder living in this world. But we have a living hope. And, and it's time for us to be living in the reality of that and believe in God. God's given enough, many here, enough to walk in that reality and to be sharing it with others that need to hear it. It's important. So the best is yet to come, guys. All right? Just get that in. Your best is yet to come. I want to encourage you with that this morning. Paul said in Romans 8.18, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it is not yet revealed what we will be, but we know that when he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. 1 Corinthians 15, 49, Just as we've borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the heavenly man. Hallelujah. So let not your heart be troubled this morning. Let us be glad, Revelation 19, 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the land has come, and his wife has made herself ready. We sang that song. We're going to be a church ready for you. Are we? Yes, we are. We're going to be a church ready for him. Because at the end of the book of Revelation, it says, Behold, Verse 12, Revelation 22, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Hallelujah. So the Spirit and this bride say what? Come, come, Lord Jesus, and let him who hears. Are you hearing this morning? Say it. Come, come, Lord Jesus. And let him who thirsts come, whoever desires, let him take of the war of life freely. So I want to encourage us this morning that know him, 
to rest your hope fully on Christ and the reality of where we are headed. And, and as we go out today, especially ministering and giving out turkeys, let's share that hope that we have with others that need to hear it. Amen? So that's my encouragement to you. And I would just encourage you to get over these scriptures and, and just meditate and just remind yourself of, of what your living hope is and what that means and how it should affect your life and let God produce in you more and more, especially in the days we're living in. The reality of your citizenship in heaven and where you're headed and the living hope God has purchased for you. You don't have to live under the weight of this world. You don't have to. God wants to raise you above that. He wants you to be an expression of that hope to people that need it. So get your eyes on him. Amen? Be encouraged this morning. And so as I close, I must share a couple of verses for those that don't know that hope. Because there is another reality that we need to understand. It says in Revelation 22.15, there's an outside to this wedding feast. We see pictures of it in Scripture where Jesus is, is telling us about the kingdom of heaven. He's describing what it will be like. And, and it's about you know invitations going out. He gives different examples of that. And people are responding. But then there are those who either they've responded, but they did it in a wrong way, or they haven't responded at all. And then when it comes, they're left outside. They don't get to partake of the living hope of the eternal life that is promised. They're left outside in outer darkness. They're separated forever from this glorious salvation we've been hearing about today. And it doesn't have to be. I saw God reach out to a woman who resisted God her whole life. And I saw God orchestrate a week of people and circumstances right through her last breath to rescue her soul. Don't tell me God is not long-suffering and he doesn't ache and do whatever it takes for one sinner to turn to him, to just humble themselves and accept the free gift. It's free. Come and drink freely. He already purchased it for you. You just have to come to him and put your trust in him and repent and acknowledge your need for him and surrender your heart to him. Because it says outside are the dogs, sorcerers, sexual immoral, murderers, idolaters, whoever loves and practices a lie. And it really is just believing a lie, believing that the gospel is a fairy tale. It, it's resisting the truth. And it's believing a lie. It's worshiping the creature. It's believing this life is what it's all about. It's pursuing the things of this world. That is a lie. And it leads to death. And the words Jesus is speaking to you this morning are true, and they lead to life. So don't harden your hearts. 
as the bridegroom calls for you. Because it says in Revelation 21, verse 27, there shall no means enter that place anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those. So I'm going to ask us to stand this morning. And I'm going to ask those of you who know your living hope to pray for those that don't. Thank you, Lord. God wants to say to you what he said a few thousand years ago in Isaiah 55, verse 1. Because if you're drinking from the cisterns of this world, if you're still living your life for the now, you're thirsty. I know you're not satisfied. And I know everything you've tried leaves you empty, leaves you thirsty, leaves you hopeless. It hasn't given you what it's promised to give you because it's a lie. You were created for God. You were created to know him, to walk with him, to be one with him. Sin severed that relationship. That's what happened in the garden. Man rebelled. It, we, we died that day spiritually. That's the seed of Adam that lives in every human being that is born. And it only can produce death. But Jesus has come that you might have life. He has come that you, he died a death. He paid a price for our sins so that we wouldn't have to die that second death. That those will experience that have not had their names written in the Lamb's book of life. There's no other way to get your name in that book than to bow the knee, to confess your sins, to repent, and ask Jesus to cleanse you and to come and live inside of you. And his promise to you is he will. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You will have no money. Come. Buy and eat. Yes, come. Buy wine and milk without money, without price. It's free. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? Your wages for things that don't satisfy. Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. That's God's offer. And if you don't know him, if you're not sure your name is written in that Lamb's book of life, you don't want to be left outside on that day. God is calling you to come to him. So anyone here, anyone online, it's free. You just need to come. Just come to this altar this morning and just bow the knee to him. 
Confess your sins and he will cleanse you. He will wash you. He will make you his own. He will take your name and write it in the Lamb's book of life and you won't have to be left outside for all of eternity. Anyone here, God is offering you the precious gift of salvation today. It's free. He just asks that you come. Anyone online, you can just get on your knees right where you're at. Say, Lord, I hear you. I've pushed you down. I've resisted you, Lord, but God, I hear your voice. I don't want to be left out. I want to know that I know that I know you, that you know me, that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And so, Lord, I pray this morning for anyone who's responding to you. Lord, I pray they will know the cleansing power of your blood. I pray, Lord, they will know the joy of having their sins washed away. So, God, I thank you right now, Lord, and I pray, God, that you will come, Lord, and you will make them your own. I pray, Holy Spirit, you will take your rightful place in their hearts. I pray you will bear witness with them that they are your child now, Lord. And I pray as they put their trust in you, as they surrender their life to you, Lord, you will take hold of them by your power, Lord, and you will pour out your grace on their life. You will break change. You will set them free of whatever has held them captive, Lord. And you will put them on that pathway to life that leads to everlasting glory, Lord. So we thank you this morning, God, for the precious gift of salvation, Lord. We thank you for ourselves. We thank you for anyone, Lord, that is hearing your voice today and responding to you, Lord. So God, I pray as we go from this place, we will go in the reality of that living hope. I pray as we come in contact with people today, Lord, that reality will just come out of us, that we will be open, that we will be your hands and feet and your mouth to all those we encounter that need to know the hope of the gospel, Lord. Use us, Lord, in this hour to share the hope of the gospel, Lord. And we thank you, God, that you've already purchased us. We know where we're going. We know where our living hope lies, Lord. So whatever time we have left on this earth, Lord, use our lives for your glory. Use them, Lord, for your light to shine through, Lord. So we thank you, God. And I pray my brothers and my sisters would be encouraged this morning. I pray the hope of the gospel, Lord, would burst forth in their hearts and in their minds and would grow and grow and grow no matter how dark it gets, Lord. I pray, Lord, you would simply grow above and beyond, Lord, what they can even think or imagine, Lord. So I thank you, God. Let your word bring forth fruit in the days to come in your people and in anyone, Lord, that has responded to you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name.